0: Today, we'll be speaking with Dave Bayless, the co-founder of Human Scale Business, a consultancy focused on developing and delivering tailored business education for small businesses. He's also the president of Small World Networks and was a principal in the expert service providing firm evergreen innovation partners, as well as having a background in both banking and venture capital. Dave, you have had exposure as an investor, advisor, and practitioner to a wide variety of businesses that offer expert services. Do you feel there's a difference between how businesses who provide expert services and businesses that make things market and sell, and what accounts for this difference?
1: Well, I've been thinking about the nature of physical products. And it dawned on me that the functions of physical products are constrained. So it's easy to figure out whether or not they're gonna be useful. I mean, for example, the the most recent thing that I bought yesterday was something called a MIDI interface, and it allows me to connect my computer to a bunch of different electronic musical instruments. I know exactly what problem the device solves for me, so it makes it easy for me to evaluate whether it's gonna be useful for me or not. Expert services, on the other hand, are more amorphous and flexible. And sometimes I think that encourages service providers to be somewhat purposely vague about the limits of their expertise and where their sweet spot is. I mean, for instance, what does a financial advisor do? I mean, that's, that's pretty broad and it's hard to understand exactly what it is we're buying because we don't know exactly what they're selling. And I've been guilty of this too. In my own business, my partner and I started with some pretty vague notion of offering business education to founders of small e-commerce companies. And we learned that that was just too broad. It wasn't very useful to people. So we started explaining our services by saying we help small companies that make unique products sold direct to consumers online. Even that wasn't specific enough. So most recently, our messaging has evolved to focus on helping companies understand and manage complex interactions among marketing, supply chain, and financing choices through the use of visual business simulations. People are starting to understand what it is that we do and what our differentiated expertise and purpose is. And that's important because a vague benefit statement can make it really difficult to evaluate and trust which are necessary elements for us to buy a service.
0: Okay, what have you seen that is particularly effective at growing an expert service provider's book of business over time?
1: Well, I think it's changing. Um, not that long ago, as a service provider, you could, revi- you, know, you could rely on your branding and credentialing. You know, having BCG on your card and an MBA from a name brand school was enough to make sure that you were at the table, you know, more often than not. But these days, potential clients have a lot more information at hand so they can ask more pointed and directed questions up front about what they need and what you do. And at the same time, almost all fields have become more and more specialized. So it puts us in a kind of a a conundrum, as as if we're service providers, is that if we're delivering compelling, differentiated expertise, we're not going to be the right answer most of the time. So the people I've seen succeed over time building a book of business have figured out ways to add value with every interaction that they have with the clients or prospects. And that means most of the time pointing them in a a different direction, somebody else in your firm or somebody potentially in a different firm altogether.
0: In your business, you've posted a number of interviews with people, both audio and video. What what do you do and how does that help grow your business, uh, providing expert service and expert advice to human-scale businesses.
1: That's right. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've produced more than 60 podcasts and probably an equal number of short videos. And the reason is that you know, in any kind of sales or marketing process, you need to provide prospective customers or clients with credible reasons to believe that you can actually deliver the goods. And I think audio and video content are really interesting and useful tools for several reasons. First, you can develop a library of insights that you can share with lots of people at low kind of incremental costs to you. So it helps, you know, get to that point of help, you know, adding value at every interaction, whether or not you're the ultimate source of relative expertise. Hopefully we're doing that right now. Audio and video can also serve as a form of sampling. (laughs) Uh, you You can offer people samples when you're, making food, for example, and they can find out whether they want to get more. And audio and video, just like writing a write paper or making a speech at a conference, can allow people to sort of try the goods and sample your expertise before they put down the big money and and investment of time in engaging you. I think also, something not to be neglected, is that audio and video, and video in particular, can help convey useful bits about your personality. In expert services, you know, you don't have to be chums with your clients, but they're more likely to trust you and engage you faster if they've got a sense that they can get along with you. And, And video is a really good way to convey that. And finally, I think digital media can allow you to make an initial touch with prospects that, may otherwise be too expensive to reach on a regular basis. I mean, the truth is clients aren't always conveniently located. So finding ways to reach them where they are makes sense to me.